Hi, everyone. Welcome back to the Aligned Living Podcast. I am your host, Sophie Malowin, and I am so grateful that you are here. Thank you for listening. I started this podcast as an extension of my weekly newsletter, and like I always say, I'm really loving connecting with you all in this new way. It feels really fresh and really fun for me to share my voice with you all. If you aren't already on my newsletter list, you can find the link to get yourself signed up in the show notes below. But before we dive into the topic of the day, I want to remind you of my upcoming workshop, How to Teach a Private, which is taking place on Saturday, October 15th. So this workshop will give you all of the information that you need to know to start offering private yoga classes. We cover everything from how to prepare and how to execute your private yoga classes, from how to charge for your services, how to keep yourself safe and make sure that you are acting in the highest of integrity. I am really excited to share everything that I've learned about teaching private yoga with you all. So two scholarship spaces are available for those in financial need. You can find more information about the workshop in the show notes below, and I cannot wait to see you there. All right, let's dive into the topic of the day, which is reclaiming prayer. I was inspired to talk about this topic because I made a few Instagram posts where I use the word prayer, and it made me realize that People can have a lot of strong feelings, strong emotions, or really just questions and concerns about what prayer is and what it represents. So I thought it would be helpful to start by giving you a little bit of my personal history as it pertains to prayer. I grew up Catholic. I went to a Catholic school my entire life up until university. So that was elementary school and high school. I was baptized, I did my first communion and my confirmation, and I grew up with this religion around me. But what's interesting is that I don't really think of my parents as being particularly religious people. I imagine that they enrolled myself and my brother in Catholic school because they went to Catholic school, because their parents were practicing Catholics, and because these were considered to be good schools in our neighborhood. So my grandparents, especially my dad's parents, were more religious. They went to church weekly and they attended church on all major holidays, which would mean that we would go with them. And growing up, I really enjoyed going to church. I really enjoyed the ritual and the routine of it. I really liked being in that sacred and holy space. It felt special. It felt important. I loved being in community. I loved singing and I loved eating the bread, which is called the Eucharist. I always really enjoyed learning about religion in elementary and high school, particularly world religion, which I did continue to study in university. But it was in high school that I began to struggle with certain aspects of Catholicism um, because I felt that they were quite patriarchal and ultimately I didn't feel like they made that much sense to me personally. I really struggled with the church's views on specific things 
mainly their view on homosexuality, on abortion, on sex outside of marriage, and just this whole notion of sinning and what it means to be a sinner and how we need to repent our sins. Um, The more I grew up with this religion, the more that I wandered away from it. And I've talked a little bit about the personal hardship that I went through in my late teens and early 20s. And it wasn't up until this point where I began to experience hardship that I started to feel a call back to the church. But what I learned was that it wasn't a call back to the church, but it was a call back to all of those things that I mentioned, the ritual, the routine, the sacredness, the holy space, the community, the being seen. So it was during this time of hardship where I felt called towards these things and I found myself at a Sunday service completely disheveled, longing for community, longing to be seen and to be held, but ultimately the Catholic Church just no longer felt aligned with me. But at this time I had also found my yoga practice which in a way became my own personal religion, the thing that I aligned my morals and my values and my beliefs with, the thing that gave me structure and routine and ritual, especially the studio I was practicing at was a silent space. So going into that space, following a certain set of rules felt really intuitive to me. And I want to say that yoga itself is not religious. But there are certain religions that do have aspects of yoga within it. So in particular, I'm thinking about Hinduism and Buddhism. And although you don't need to be a Hindu or a Buddhist to practice yoga, there are elements of yoga that stem from these religions or vice versa, that these religions um, play on certain aspects of yoga. Or not play, they utilize certain aspects of yoga in their religious practices. So I really align uh, with yogic values and principles. This is something that I discovered through my own personal practice and then ultimately going to teacher training and exploring the history and philosophy of yoga. Sidebar, I think that this is something that we don't do enough In the Western yoga world, we don't pay enough attention to the history and the philosophy and the lineages in which our practices are coming from. And I really do think that's such a shame because there is so much wisdom to be found there. But I digress. We can do a whole other episode on cultural appropriation another time. For now, I want to circle back to yogic values and principles So in particular, I really align with the yamas and niyamas. The yamas are moral restraints, things that we refrain from doing. And the niyamas are moral observances, so things that we try to do. And the yamas and niyamas come from Patanjali's eight-limbed path. Patanjali is an ancient sage, a philosopher, and in his writings, he outlined a eight-limbed path to samadhi. And samadhi ultimately is divine bliss, union, integration. It is that thing that we are all seeking towards at the end of our lives. Some people in the Catholic Church 
might even refer to this as heaven. So the yamas and niyamas are a part of Patanjali's eight-limbed path. The yamas, the moral restraints, which are things that we refrain from doing, are ahimsa, non-harming, satya, truthfulness, asteya, non-stealing, brahmacharya, non-excess, aparigraha, non-hoarding. Then we have the niyamas, which are the moral observances, the things that we try to do. Saucha, purity. Santosha, contentment. Tapas, discipline. Svadhyaya, self-study. And lastly, Ishvara, pranidana, which is surrender to the supreme. So I could do an episode on each yama and each niyama, I actually wrote blog posts about each one, which I'll include in the show notes below. But today I want to highlight Ishvara Pranidhana, Surrender to the Supreme. And I think it's really important to highlight that Patanjali included this in the Niyamas. And he included it as the very last Niyama, the very last step along the way. And You know, I I find this to be really true for me because when I feel like I have done everything that I can do, that means there is only one thing that is left to do and that is to surrender. And how do we surrender? We can surrender through prayer or just divine trust. And that's what I want to talk to you all about today. This idea of reclaiming prayer. So returning back to prayer was really challenging for me because I was only really taught to pray in one way. And that was to repeat the prayers that we were taught in school or at church. So prayers like Our Father, Hail Mary, the Apostles' Creed. You know, we were taught that if you say these prayers enough, they will cleanse you. They will take care of all of your worries. And in my experience, that just simply was not true. Now, there there is a time during church and during prayer where you are able to say your own prayers and uh, devote them to certain people or certain things. And that's a little bit more of what I do in my own relationship to prayer now, which I'll touch on in a moment. I just want to say that now that I've separated myself from the Catholic Church, I can see the beauty in the words of prayers like Our Father and Hail Mary and the Apostles' Creed. And I understand that not everybody is going to be able to separate themselves from the church and all of the atrocious crimes, quite frankly, that they've committed over, you know, the last hundreds of years. And it comes down to that idea of can you separate the art from the artist? And not everybody is able to. And I'm not here to convince you that you should. What I'm saying is that I can see the beauty in the words of these prayers. But that is not how I continue to pray today. So I believe that words are vibrations. They change the frequency around us. Even now, as I record this podcast, I can see the wavelengths that my voice is making as it goes through the microphone and as it's digested by my computer. So when I speak something in real life, 
I'm speaking it into existence in a way. Because when I speak, that changes the environment, that changes the world, that changes the reality around me. And so it is, right? I say something and in a way, it's already starting to shift. It's already starting to change. And that is why I pray. Like I said, I pray because there are certain instances in life where there is nothing that I can do. And that can be really hard to wrap your head around sometimes. I am somebody who is very action oriented. And if I'm feeling anxious, if I'm feeling worried about something, if there is something I can do about it, I am going to get up and do it. But there are certain instances in our life where either you've done everything that you can do, and there's nothing left for you to do anymore, or you don't like the way a certain situation or a certain scenario has played out, but perhaps other people are involved and they're not willing to change. And it's in these situations where we can get really down on ourselves, we can get really frustrated, or we can surrender it to something greater than ourselves. And that does require a certain amount of belief, a certain amount of trust in something greater than ourselves. And, you know, I'm not here to tell you what to believe. I am here to tell you that it does feel pretty fucking good for you to finally put down that thing that you are worrying about and to find some trust that divine timing is happening and that we are all being guided somewhere. And a lot of that is out of our control. So I pray as a way to control that which I cannot control, to surrender that which I worry about, to find peace in my own suffering or in the suffering of others. It makes me feel like I am doing something about that which I can do nothing about. And for me, that gives me a lot of ease. And so if I pray for no other reason than just to bring myself peace, that is a good enough reason for me. I don't need to pray to be a part of a system or to have other people believe in what I say. I just pray to find more peace within me. Now, because I grew up in the Catholic Church, we were really taught to pray to some man up in the sky. And over the last several years, my idea of who and what I pray to has really changed. So I do a lot of work with the seasons and I find a lot of inspiration in Mother Nature. And the more time that you sit with nature and the more time that you sit with the seasons, at least for me, you see that nature is a feminine energy. And I'm not talking about gender here. I'm talking about energetics. So energetically, females, or the energetic feminine, rather, gives birth to things. It is that same energy. The feminine energy is the same energy that creates a baby and brings it to life. It's the same energy that allows a flower to sprout through the earth after the long, dark winter. And the more you sit with and observe feminine energy, 
the more that I've observed that the creator must be a female. It's just what makes sense to me personally is that the person or thing that I am praying to would have a feminine energy because I am praying to that which creates, that which oversees the cycle of life and what happens while we're here on earth, which like I said, I believe to be a feminine energy. And that's taken a lot of time for me to reprogram my mind. Even sometimes I'll go to pray and I'll return to that vision of the man in the sky. But that's the vision that a patriarchal society has trained us to see. And there is so much power in rewiring your beliefs or simply questioning your beliefs and feeling what is aligned and true for you. So you may not feel that the creator is of feminine energy, and that's okay. But for me, that is the energy that I am praying to. Like I said, that creator of life, that place that we come from and that place that we go to when we leave this earthly realm, that is which I am in communion with when I am saying my prayers. And As someone who does use their voice a lot, I'm a self-projected projector in human design. Again, we'll do another podcast episode on that another time. But ultimately, that's a lot of words to say that the way that I discern truth is by speaking because I can hear it in my own voice whether or not I believe something to be true. So when I pray, I close my eyes, hand on my heart or hand on my belly I take a few deep breaths to ground and then I think about that which I need to release. What am I holding on to that I need to set myself free from? Who needs prayers? Who needs love, support, compassion, forgiveness? Who is challenging me? Who is inspiring me? Who am I grateful for? And this is just a way for me to express what I experience internally. And for me to give words to it, it sets me free from that experience. Now, other people might find prayer in their journaling routine. Other people might find prayer walking in nature. Other people might find prayer in moments of deep silence. There is no one right way to pray. And for some of you, the right way to pray might be in a church every Sunday. And I am in full support of that because I know the relief that we get when we surrender to something greater than ourselves. Ultimately, I believe that earth, this experience of being human is is too complicated, is too vast, is too extreme for it to not be created magically. And even if we go back to these stories in in the Bible, to me, what I read is is magic. Jesus turning uh, water into wine. How is that not a magical and divine experience? And although I may not align with the views of the church, I do align with the belief that we are here for a purpose and we are not here by accident. 
And one way that I can express gratitude and I can connect back to that truth is by praying for myself and for others. So I pray when I need courage. I pray when I don't know what I need to do. I pray when I feel that I want someone I love to be protected. I think it is a really beautiful ritual and routine. And I think it is something that we have moved away from, at least in Western society. I think it's a good thing that we're moving away from from some of these patriarchal lineages. And it's really my hope and and my, my intention through my prayers that I can return to that feminine energy that runs through all of it, all of us, regardless of what gender you identify as. It's my hope that through prayer, I can return back to that feminine energy that runs through all of us, that feminine energy that brought me through my mother, that brought me into her womb, that created the first person that ever walked the earth, however they happen to get there, whether that is through evolution or not. Um, This wacky wild world is just too much for my human mind to conceive of sometimes. And I find great relief in, in practicing prayer. And it is a big part for me of what it means to be a yogi and to live my life aligned with the yamas and niyamas and Patanjali's eight-limbed path. It's it's there. It's in writing for us. It's like we have this cheat sheet of how to get to this ultimate goal of samadhi, of union. And too many of us don't take that seriously because it's all there. It's all lined up. It's all lined out for us. And, and one day, I guess we'll see whether or not it is as true as it feels to me to be. So I, I hope that that podcast, this recording was helpful for you. I hope that it gave you a little insight into my reclamation of, of prayer And I do know that others have a lot more complicated relationships to the church and to prayer. But if you are someone who is struggling with finding the words when you pray, just trust that they're in there. Say what you need to say. Nothing's too short. Nothing's too long. Nothing's too weird. Nothing's too sad. Nothing's too happy. It's just another way to express ourselves. It's just another way for us to lighten the load that we all carry as human beings and Yeah, I'd be really interested to know about what your relationship to prayer is. So if you're on my Substack newsletter, feel free to drop that in the comments below. And let's keep this conversation going. Thank you so much for being here, for listening, and I will see you next week. Bye.